So it's really just realizing that we are co-creators in the universe, that we really get to co-create with the universe what it is we want and what it is we're trying to accomplish and what it is we're trying to do. And it doesn't mean that it always happens, but what it does is it means the more you're aware of something, the more you can create more of it. Welcome to the Business Mastermind Podcast with business strategist, speaker, and author, Gavin Preston. Tap into this meeting of minds between everyday business people on their journey to master business growth. Join them as they share strategies, insights, and shortcuts to help you survive and thrive in business and life as you scale your business and achieve a bigger impact. Hey, Gavin here, and welcome back to the Business Mastermind Podcast. So good to have you back with me today. Today, we're talking to Steve Rogers. He is the author of the book, The IGI Principles. And today, we're talking about actionable advice on creating more productivity, profit, and purpose in your business. We're going to cover gems such as a daily practice or daily rituals around the four Bs, being body, being, bonds, and business and many more things about how you can improve your productivity, your profit, and your purpose in your business. Hi, and welcome back to the Business Mastermind Podcast. Gavin here, and today I'm really excited about this conversation with Steve Rogers. Um, Steve helps business, he's got a corporate background, worked in real estate, uh, was then a Warren Buffett CEO, and we'll hear more about that in a few minutes. Um, But actually now he has a business called Alchemy Advisors and is the author of IGI Principles. And we're going to be talking today to get some tap into Steve's view around how we can create some actionable advice on creating more productivity, profit and purpose. So Steve, welcome to the Business Mastermind podcast. It's my pleasure, Gavin. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. So let's just dive into a bit of background about you, your journey, both in terms of your career, but also what's led you to this path of helping businesses amplify, or business owners, I beg your pardon, amplify their spiritual intelligence? Yeah, that's a a very long question. So I'll try and keep it meaning, meaning the answer that is very long. So I'll try and keep it very succinct and short if I can, and then we can dig in later if you choose. Um, So I um, started out in the, in the, in the restaurant business, actually. So I was uh, going through uh, obviously high school and early days of college in the restaurant business. So that was my, my founding ground of being in the business world, which was a great learning ground because you really learn a lot about customer service and serving others and fast paced thoughts that have to be made, low margin businesses, having, you know, all those types of things. So being in the restaurant business was a great, great training ground for me. Eventually led into the real estate business uh, in Southern California. Uh, I was a Navy brat. My dad was up and down the East Coast of the United States, but I ended up continuing to go West and ended up in California. So the the, uh, real estate business ended up being a very good launching ground for me into uh, a serious business career and started selling real estate. Sales led to management. Management led to executive leadership and uh, executive leadership ended up leading to uh, being in a company that ended up getting purchased by Warren Buffett, as you mentioned earlier. So I was under the Berkshire Hathaway umbrella uh, of an entity called Home Services of America uh, for about seven years. 
And that particular company that he bought, I had been with for the entirety from beginning to end for about 15 years. Uh, so I started there as a manager and uh, that company grew quite rapidly in Southern California and then he bought it. And then a few years later, um, the owners had had me eyed to be the CEO because they had a non-compete they were going to you know, step out of and take their money and run, so to speak. Um, and I ended up becoming the CEO of that company. So um, that was a very interesting run from going through the corporate ladder, if you would, of management, regional management, you know, president, COO, CEO. Uh, and then obviously uh, the Warren Buffett tag and meeting him and being part of the home services and Berkshire entity was truly a highlight of my career. And I learned a massive amount uh, in that path. Um, so that was what led me to the real estate space. Um, and then in the mortgage meltdown of 2008, uh, which was horrendous in the United States and definitely trickle around in the world as well, but really hit the U.S. hard. Um, I had a, a lot of uh, downsizing to do for that company. So I had to close almost half of it because the real estate market was crashing and burning. And about a year and a half after that, then I got pushed out and fired uh, as uh, the, the, the top exec. So after 15 years, I found myself out in the world. Uh, and I uh, looked at back at that as a great blessing. And that's when I really, truly became an entrepreneur. Uh, and the rest continued to from there. So that's kind of a snapshot version, if you would. And what was your first sort of entrepreneurial venture once you were out on your own? Well, that was in uh, January of 2009. So if anybody uh, remembers 2008, it was still pretty horrendous in the real estate financial sure. uh, mortgage meltdown. The government was trying to do bailouts left and right. And I decided, since I'd been in real estate for 20 years at that point, to go out and start a real estate company. So I started my own real estate company in one of the worst real estate markets that I had ever worked in. Um, and luckily, I had quite a bit of a following and quite a bit of knowledge. And we went from uh, the first year and a half, we went to about eight real estate offices and we had about 500 salespeople uh, and we're doing about a billion in sales volume after our first year and a half to two years in the business. So I went right from what I knew into what I knew, um, knowing not a lot about what I didn't know. Because uh, it's one thing to be in the corporate world where somebody else is paying all the bills and someone else is fronting all of the cash and someone else is ultimately responsible for payroll and rents at the end of the day. It's not that I didn't know that, but it's very different when you have to write all those checks and make all those decisions. So my first entree into being a solo entrepreneur, and then I did end up having a few partners. So I ended up becoming a, and, and that ended up being a serial entrepreneur because we had title and escrow and mortgage and uh, insurance services. Um, and I did that for five years um, and ended up realizing that there was another calling for me, which is what I'm doing now. So for five years now, I've been running Alchemy Advisors as a purpose-driven consultant, coach, author, and speaker. Uh, so that, that's uh, been the, the uh, sequence of how that all unfolded. And your experience, your insights, your learnings over those five years and indeed over your career has led to the writing of your book, IGI Principles. Well, yes. Then the first book that I wrote actually was uh, about, four, it was four years ago now. And that one was called From Lead to Gold. Um, and that one um, was based also on the name of my company, Alchemy Advisors. And alchemy, as uh, people either, you know, probably know that word, but I just love the word itself. I like how it sounds. I love the meaning of it being a transformation and trans, you know, transitioning from lead into gold as, a, as the fables go about the alchemist that could do that. I love the book by uh, Paulo Coelho oh, called book. The Alchemist, mm -hmm. which many people have read uh, over the years. And so I just thought that would be a great name since I was transitioning myself and I was transforming myself from real estate into what I hoped 
would be a more global impact outside of just the real estate space. So I was in my own transformation. So that was the first book, Led to Gold. And along the way, I've always had a very, very strong spiritual belief. Since I was a young kid, I just had this inbred knowing that there was something higher than myself. Um, and so over the years, I continued to seek and quest and learn and read and explore. Um, and um, so I always included in my own personal life, spiritual beliefs into how I practice life and, and grew and, and continued to make things happen. But um, as I got more into business as a consultant and an author, um, I realized I really wanted to write about that. So the Iggy principles or IGI principles is basically uh, inspired by Wayne Dyer. Okay. Um, and yeah. you know, people probably know who Wayne Dyer is. He's since passed, but he has been a great spiritual thought leader in the world for many years. And he used to talk a lot about ego. And yeah, I remember reading his book probably in my late thirties, early forties, uh, in, in a lot of reading with him. And, uh, he said, ego is when you are edging good out or you're edging God out. And I thought, Oh wow, that's, just a great, you know, motto for me to remember when I'm in my ego. And at the time I was very heavily in my ego because I had to use my ego to climb and corporate ladder and all of that stuff. Of course. So I had a reminder for myself. I said, what would be the opposite of that? So I can just have a mantra because I was really big into affirmations and quotes and all of those things. So I said, well, that would be inviting good in or inviting God in. So I just wrote down the I G I this goes back about 10 or 12 years ago. And then I thought, Oh, I like that. I'm, I'm going to call that Iggy. Um, and so I went online on domain uh, or GoDaddy and I saved Iggy principles, got Iggy, get Iggy with it, Iggy CEO, Iggy training. And I just started thinking someday I'll do something with that. Fast forward 10 years later, I finally have the book written. So <laughs> that, that's kind of how the, uh, the, the thoughts started about the IGI or the Iggy principles. And what are, what are the Iggy principles? Uh, well, there's, um, there's many of them, but the ones that I wrote in this first volume of this book are really having the power of understanding, um, you know, yes, of course, basic business principles are talked about in, in general, all of my teachings, but the Iggy principles are more about universal stuff. And it's kind of the sum up of the golden rule. But in the book, it talks a lot about acceptance. It talks a lot about uh, gratitude, forgiveness, um, doing unto others and being of service in the world and being a servant leader, um, understanding the power of flow, um, and then also just realizing and defining what your own higher power is. I mean, many people have a very clear, distinct religious belief or a spiritual belief themselves, so they already clearly know what that is. Um, but they're, they're trying to figure out how to incorporate that into their daily life of business sometimes or into two separate worlds. And some people don't exactly know what their spiritual beliefs are. They're kind of unsure about it or they're, they're, they're a little bit down on it or they're mad at the universe or they're mad at God or whatever it might be. So there's different levels of different people. I'm not here to define what anybody's spirituality is. All I'm here is to encourage uh, people to do more searching and defining of that and then have a more integrated life with it in business and in life. So you mentioned about flow, understanding flow. Explain that. Well, you know, we, we all have this uh, these days when we just kind of unexpectedly or expectedly with, with some, I guess, it just seems to go. Like every light, if you're driving a car, is green. The music that you love comes on the radio. A meeting that you went just went seamlessly. Your significant other and you just seem to be in harmony that day. You get a wonderful email or card from someone you haven't heard in a while. The birds are singing and you just feel like, wow, it just feels like a flowing day. Um, and then other days, we feel like nothing's working. The coffee pot's broken. You're late for a meeting. You can't get your computer to work. You walk into a meeting and you're disgruntled already and you feel like the person you're speaking to doesn't know what they're talking about. Every light is red. 
uh, your car gets a flat tire. I mean, those are days that we just don't feel like are in flow. So being in flow is being aware that the mind that we have, that we all get to control with our mind, is really the starting point of being in flow and choosing to understand how we can put ourselves in a state of consciousness that allows us to be more open to flow more often. And, you know, many of us all have these mobile phones and devices, and we know when we have four bars on our cell uh, phone and it's got a good signal versus one bar, uh, or we know when uh, things are in flow in devices and you've got, you know, good connections as well. So I think about, you know, our consciousness is kind of like a Wi-Fi signal. It's like a Wi-Fi signal that we use on our mobile devices that connects to whatever our higher power is. And the more we have a daily practice, which I use myself in a daily practice of prayer, meditation, physical exercise, journaling, affirmations, intending what my day is going to be the day before. So even before I go to bed, I'm envisioning what I want my day to be and flow about. So it's really just realizing that we are co-creators in the universe, that we really get to co-create with the universe what it is we want and what it is we're trying to accomplish and what it is we're trying to do. And it doesn't mean that it always happens, but what it does is it means the more you're aware of something, the more you can create more of it as kind of how I, I look at uh, being more in flow. Hi, Gavin here. I wanted to say a huge thank you. Thank you to all of you who have bought a copy of my book, Survive and Thrive, How to Secure, Scale and Succeed in Business. The feedback's been excellent. Copies have gone to all four corners of the planet. I'm so grateful and humbled. I also wanted to let you know that now the audiobook version is out. The audio format can be got from audible.co.uk or audible.com or from my website, surviveandthrive.cc. It was a lot of fun recording the audiobook and hopefully you'll pick up my passion as I take you through all the insights, strategies and case studies to help you not only survive but thrive through uncertain times. So go to audible.com or audible.co.uk to check out Survive and Thrive by Gavin Preston or grab it from my website surviveandthrive.cc. So you mentioned there of course about your daily practice. Now I know that the a good number of people that listen to this will have a daily practice around exercise and um, possibly some visualization, stroke meditation, and many others may not. And so what what sort of daily practice do you find works really well to help people increase the effectiveness of their goal setting and the achievement of their goals and objectives? Yeah, I break that down into the four Bs. Um, uh, B... Um, as in body, being, yeah. bonds, and business. So I call it the four Bs. And most of the things that we have in our life, um, work or personal, can flow into those categories because there's a lot of subcategories. But in addition to having a daily practice, I also, you know, growing up in corporate America and also just knowing how to track and measure things because I got really into goal setting in my early 20s, um, following people like Brian Tracy and different sure. people that talk a lot about goals. So I know that anything you can track and measure, you can improve upon. Uh, and clearly when I was in corporate America, I mean, they measured every ounce of profit and you know, gross sure. margins and product and all of that stuff. So I realized um, that we can do that in our own life. So on a daily basis, I have a little daily scorecard that I give myself and it's called the four B's and it's just trying to get to one point in each category. So for my body, um, it's um, eating the, the healthy diet plan that I created for myself. 
And then it's also some form of exercise on a daily basis. And I get a half a point for each of those. And then my being is my, my being, your soul, your connection, your inner self. And then for me, I have to be in some type of spiritual connection on a daily basis in prayer and meditation with higher power. And I happen to call my higher power God. And so I define that as God. And God for me is just a definition of the sum of all that is. So I'm not, you know, I'm a very universal thinker about what the consciousness of God is, but I have to be in some kind of connection with that through prayer and meditation daily. And then I have to do some kind of expression of that that would be physically seen or known in the world. So some type of act that would be of a spiritual nature in being of service or giving to others in a, in a spiritual giving way. And then, so that's body being, and then your bonds are your relationships with your internal family, your spouse, your kids, your significant other, and then your bonds outside of your family. So on a daily basis, I have to do something that's a very physical conscious act of making someone else feel important, loved, or appreciated in their life that they would clearly know that I made an effort to do so. And I have to do that in my life, in my personal life, and then outside, at least once a day, if not multiple. And then the last one is business. And then on the business is working on my business and working in my business. Um, and so the four B's help me then to have a daily practice that my daily day of meditation and prayer and exercise and eating properly and uh, having accountability to that, then I get my point for that. So that allows me to have this daily practice that I can adjust my daily ritual as needed. And then I have this daily scorecard that I literally have in my office, a, a little uh, a cheat sheet that I just mark off on a whiteboard. I also have it on, it's in my book as well, but there's also a form people can download and just do it on Google where you just make it and then you erase it at the end of the week. Uh, and then it adds up to four points a day. And then at the end of the week, you're trying to get to 28 points because there's seven days in a week. You know, sometimes I hit 24 points. Sometimes I hit 25, 27, 26 and a half. And it just tells me on a daily and weekly basis how on course I am with what I said I thought was important in my life. Um, and so that helps me stay in flow. That helps me stay in daily ritual. That helps me stay in daily practice. And do you, other than, um, do you have a sense of the difference it makes in your world when you're not getting your four points or only getting two out of the four? Other than the fact that you're not, um, meeting up to an objective that you've set yourself, that you're measuring yourself again. In 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 yourself, do you feel different if you go a day or two when you've only got two or three out of the four? Yeah, it definitely does um, start making me uh, aware of that there is a more of a, a little bit more gloom, a little more heaviness, a little more not feeling in integrity with myself, there's a, sometimes there's a small little sense of, I wouldn't call it depression because I don't get depressed very often, but there's a sense of not living up to my full, full potential of what it is that I want to do. And when I'm, yeah, let's say if I have my B, my bonds category, if I haven't really focused on my wife's relationship and mine for a few days, cause I'm so busy on a project or I'm just irritated about something. I really notice that if I've gotten some zeros in that category that day, that I realize I start getting in a little bit of a rut in that category. And I realize the more and more days I let it go on, that it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy that I can let it get out of control. And if I, it's more about not doing my daily scorecard than it is necessarily having a half a point or a zero. It's on, there are a few weeks I've gone by and I just haven't done it at all. Like I haven't done the scorecard for that whole week. And then I really notice it. Like that's like way, way, way obvious. For a day or two, if it gets out of flow, I can, it's like Brian Tracy, who, was, um, who is a, a great writer, speaker, author, 
And Brian was my business coach for two years as well, my personal business coach. Um, and so he used to talk a lot about goals, but he used the analogy because he lives in San Diego, I live in San Diego. And he said, hey, Steve, when a plane takes off from San Diego and has a destination to go to New York City, which is around a six and a half hour flight from if you're going on that from here, he said, it takes off from the Lindbergh Airport downtown San Diego and it heads across to New York and it's off course 98% of the time. The only reason it stays on track is because it continually has on autopilot that continually course corrects, course corrects, course corrects, course corrects. So for me, these daily goals and these daily affirmations and these daily rituals and category is me course correcting way quickly before I get too deep in a rut that my negative mind or my ego or my negative thoughts take more control than my positive controlling thoughts in my brain. Uh, and we all have that, you know, we all have that negative positive energy and we all have that negative voice that we know sometimes takes hold of us. Um, and it can be very powerful. I mean, that, the, the dark and light uh, of, of the world, of night and day, uh, of hot and cold, of yin and yang, positive and negative and energy fields, that also exists in our bodies and our minds and our souls. So I realize when I'm not focused on trying to stay as, as much in flow or control of that, then I really do, that's when I notice it really intently. You mentioned earlier on about the, the fourth B being business and you split between working on your business and working in your business. Um, how do you spend the time working on your business? Do you ask yourself, how, what is it you're paying attention to? What is it you're asking yourself to ensure that the time spent working on your business is productive? Right. That's a great question. Um, and I also then break each category down. So, and I distinctly had business last. So most people in consulting or coaching or coaching or business really want to have business conversation first. I mean, we want to make profits in our business. We want them to be growing. We want them to be effective. We want them to be of value. But to me, if your body, your being, and your bonds are not in harmony, it's going to be really difficult to keep a consistent flowing business for any length of time. I found out that the hard way through my own errors of earlier in life and my own hardships that came along that caused major uh, uh, issues in my life because of not being in body being or, or bonds. As far as the business part goes, then I make sure that when I schedule and calendar on a monthly basis and I'm looking at my ideal month, my ideal week and my ideal day, then I schedule out chunks of time, you know, chunks of time that I know are going to be just answering, waking up in the morning and whatever emails have come in from the night before, you know, making sure that you're handling crises of the days, et cetera. That's kind of working, you know, in your business, working on your business and then, you know, your daily operations, you know, running customer service, you know, running the business, working on the business is stuff that's more about planning, focusing, creating marketing plans, prospecting, creating and fine-tuning more value proposition, creating new products, creating new services, um, working on employee programs that might better for your better your company uh, experience, those kinds of things working on your business. So I make sure in my monthly and weekly and daily ideal calendar that I set chunks for my time, I schedule that out. So then each day I have that I've, I'm working on, as an example, I mean, this last, I just, as you mentioned, launched this new book two or three weeks ago. And that was working, I had to block the chunks of time that I could work on the book, then I could create the marketing time for the book, then I could create the, the rollout of the book. That was working on my business, even though that was not my business. But I knew that it was a supplement that was going to add a new layer to my business. And I had to carve out the time every day and every week to work on that with flow charts and Gantt charts. And I use, you know, project management things like Basecamp and uh, Asana that really makes all that stuff flow. So if, uh, again, just like the daily bees, 
body being bonds business, if I'm not blocking out working in my business and working on my business, it doesn't happen because I stay so big. I can wake up in the morning as all of us can. And between emails and text messages and phone calls and got a minute, got a minute, got a minute. Um, my day could be gone in a snap of a thing. And I go, what did I get done today? Like, you know, what did I really accomplish? And then a week goes by and I'm like, God, what a, I felt like I didn't get half the stuff done I wanted to get done. And gosh, my to-do list is now three times as big as it was on Monday. And why didn't I get the, you know, so I still have that, but I have it less uh, overwhelming than it used to be. And I also, uh, on a daily and weekly basis, say, what are really my big rock items? I ask myself and my assistants that all the time. What are your big rock items? And big rock items are things that are going to move your life and your business forward the, the, the fastest, the most, and the most valued. And everything else can become less significant if you're not getting the big rock items done. So you're in the midst of, you know, something happened. You, 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 you're in some of the uh, working in your business time. Uh, a bunch of extra things come up, whether something's come up with a client or, you know, you've just got to hit a deadline. How do you ensure that the working on your business slots are protected? And it, cause it's so easy to just, Oh, I've got this, 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 and this to do. Oh, I'll carry on doing it. And, and then one day or week or month goes and you've not done enough of the working on um, slots. So it, how, how do you ensure that you protect those? And um, that's another great question. Gavin, you have some great questions. Um, let's see. So that, the way that I do that is, again, coming back to mindset. It's like when I say, you know, I first have to realize that for me, spirituality is my most important valued item above all relationships. Uh, I put that at a priority level that even, I mean, I've been married 30 years, but even above my marriage, my children, my grandchildren, who I love dearly and deeply and, and passionately, my relationship with my higher power is the most intimate and most intense relationship that I'll have in my entire lifetime of, you know, of living. So that I have to make priority for in, in my prayer and meditation and connection to that. In my business, when I'm making time to work on my business or in my business, I have to say, okay, what are my priorities and where do I value giving uh, of my time and energy and exchanging that for others? And when I first started my consulting company back five years ago and I came up with the name Alchemy Advisors, I said... I'm going to make myself my first client. Love that. And so if, if I am my first client, what am I going to advise myself? If I'm a great coach and a great consultant, a great advisor, what am I going to let myself know between running a business, starting a business, getting your business in check? And it's many of the things that I am talking about, that, that those are things I would be coaching or consulting my top client do. And if I had a top client who needed my time and energy, I would make sure that I was framing with my top client what the foundation was for them and for myself when we start the relationship. So I explain what an emergency is in my view and theirs. I explain what an emergency is where things can be overridden or not overridden for, for their clients. And then I do that for myself. So when I've blocked my time for myself and somebody wants to bump my time, the only person that lets them know that's bumping the time is me. All I have to do is say, gosh, I would love to talk to you tomorrow at two o'clock, but I already have another really high port client like yourself. I could do it at 3.30, but I can't do it at two o'clock. Or, you know, today is, and to, you know, they say, I really need you today. So when I start out with my clients, I make sure I say, let's define before ever there's an emergency, before there's ever, Steve, I need you, I 
I need you, what those look like. So I work out with my clients code words or like descriptions, almost in a joking fun way. So I'll say, hey, Tom, okay, is this really a 911? I mean, do you, does this really have to have a 911 that there's blood or guts or there's a hemorrhage or a triage involved in this today? And you know, so when I'm working with them initially, then when it comes back around, if they go, Steve, oh my God, I, I need you. Can you get a hold of me? Or I've got a, I've got a fire. Can you call me right away? I will text or let them know back, say, is this really, you know, we'll define again what emergencies are. And it doesn't mean that I don't adjust my schedule. I do. But I just make sure I frame in my mind how important somebody else's emergency is to my own emergency of making myself my first and most important client. And if I can't make myself my most important client and save the time with myself, then how am I going to do that for my other clients who deserve my full attention when I'm with them, that they get my full present self and they get full me when I'm with them because I'm not giving anything for myself. I'm giving everything for them at that time. So I'm just as important. And, you know, it's like when you're in the plane, you have to put the, the air mask on yourself as the stewardesses tell you or the air flight, the flight attendants, excuse me, tell you, uh, put the air mask on yourself before you're trying to help anybody else. So it comes down to that basic of a level for me. And by honoring yourself as your first client, by working on the daily practice of, of whether it be reflection, whether it be meditation, visualization, prayer, you show up in the world to your family, to your spouse, to your clients as your best version of yourself, a much better, much better version of yourself. That, that really is my goal and hope and my desire. I, I, I know that I, as all of our, our human beings, uh, but we are more spiritual beings having a human experience, as Wayne Dyer so eloquently talked about. So my goal has always been to improve and to grow and to transform in my marriage, in my relationships, in my business. And I really do on a daily basis, really want to focus on being my most full, authentic self. And there are days that I am not. I, I know that. But there are days that I am not and I have tools and things to be able to do something about it and take action. You know, I'm really proud. As I said, I've been married 30 years. I have, uh, you know, ups and downs in, in life as everyone else does. And I have ups and downs in my marriage as, as anybody does. But we've worked through those and, and, have, and have kept a very solid partnership. And I, I'm proud I've tells people, because especially when I was back as the CEO of the company of Prudential uh, Real Estate in Southern California, and, and she was also happened to be in the real estate business. And people would ask her all the time, you know, what's he really like at home? You know, because being the CEO, I was always, I've always been very positive, very optimistic, very outgoing. I very rarely have a harsh word for anybody. I, I, I'm not a negative person. I don't talk down to people. I really do try and do all of that stuff that I'm living by. And, you know, I'll sometimes hear her say, you know, what you see on the outside world is exactly who is, is at home. He's patient. He's kind. He uh, is thoughtful. You know, all of that stuff. And, uh, and, and, and so I'm proud when I hear her say that. Because I want to be who I am all the time, not just facades of who I am with a mask or with things that we all have to put on in the world to play roles as an executive, as a uh, performer, you know, whatever it might be. We all have this stuff that we have to do and play and sometimes in roles we play in the world. And it's difficult. 
it's difficult to try and be as authentic as you really believe, think, feel, and do, and I'll sometimes fit into other people's worlds and other people's environments, and especially if you're in a job function where you're expected to be or believe certain things. So it's, very, it's a difficult maneuvering to run, but I find as the world is today, more than ever, is the world is really focused on the importance of transparency and being authentic and real. So I think sure. there's a calling for that, that the, the appreciation of that and the acceptance of that and the desire of that, good, bad, and ugly, you know, let's, let's show all sides of ourselves, good, bad, and ugly, uh, is just very, you know, kind of the way the world is going. And I think even the younger people in the world today, they want, you know, they want um, transparency more than ever. And they don't, just because you're an authority figure, they don't give you the right to have the, the, the end all answer for everything. Uh, people challenge authority these days and age more than ever before. And there's some good and bad in that, but it is the evolution of how we are moving forward as people and as beings. So I think the way we incorporate that into our businesses is really, really important. And that we also find self-satisfaction in what we do um, and that we feel fulfilled by it. And we feel aligned with it that it fits our heart and soul also with our skills and talents. So you mentioned a few minutes ago that, um, you feel proud when somebody's identified or observed that you're patient, you're positive, you're kind. Were you always that way? Not always, no. Um, but I've always been a happy person for some reason. I, I kid all the time and say I must have been given like this over uh, active serotonin uh, gene in my brain <laughs> or something that just makes it overrun. Because I've always been the glass is not just more than half full, it's overflowing. I've always luckily since I was a little kid had that mindset. And I don't know exactly where that came from. So I had that. However, Along the way, no, I wasn't like always like that. I definitely, as I was growing from teenager and 20s and 30s, you know, I, I looked for other things outside of myself to make myself happy. Um, material things, drugs, alcohol, um, possessions, power, success. I mean, I definitely knew that um, I didn't define it that way then, but I have come to learn that we all have a hole in the soul that we all have this hole in our soul that we try and fill it different ways in different places. And for, and for many of us, that becomes addictive behavior. And even though I was climbing corporate ladder on the outside, wearing the suit and tie and driving the Mercedes and all of that, um, I, I was also drinking at the very worst of my peak of my career, almost a fifth of alcohol a night when I would go home. Um, and it started consuming me and it started uh, you know, I, my motto was, I work hard, I play hard. I work hard, I play hard. I work hard, I play hard. And I took great focus and that's on true that. for so and, many. Um, yeah, absolutely. And it started getting the best of me. And when it got started getting the best of me, I was not always kind. I was not always thoughtful. And I was very into ego. I was very selfish. And I was very short and short-tempered at times. Um, luckily, my wife and I you know, worked through all of that. And I, and, I, and I sought to get help and support about it. And luckily, I've always believed in having someone outside of myself hold a mirror up to who I am. And I've had a coach or a business coach or a spiritual practice or church uh, or different things since I was, you know, I've had a coach since I was 26 or 27 years old. So for 30 years, I've had a coach every year for 30 years in some fashion or another. And, you know, you have someone that you're paying to hold a mirror up to you to help you be your best self. Sometimes it's hard to run from that. Uh, and when I, you know, got into addictive behavior and became alcohol consumptive and still was a functioning, I mean, I was a functioning, looking back, I was an alcoholic, but I was a functioning corporate alcoholic. 
Um, you know, I still put on the suit and tie every day and I still was making very good money and I still was making decisions, but I was a functioning alcoholic and I had to get help for that. I had to seek help from others that helped me get through that. I had to seek, you know, I had to admit that I was powerless of something I couldn't control, which is hard for the ego to do because my ego thought I could control and do everything. So no, I haven't always been that way. And I'm not even always that way today, even though my wife says that there, I'm surprised because I'm always honored and flattered when she says that, but I know that I sometimes have negative thoughts or I'm short with people or I'm not always as giving or as loving as I would like to be. Um, but I know that I'm on a, a quest uh, daily to do more of that, of, of giving, of loving, of being kind, of being generous, of being a servant leader. So as long as it's in my focus and it's in my practice and I'm working towards evolving it, then I'm, I'm much less harsh on myself. Um, that's what I was, that's what I was getting to with the question, to be honest, Steve, because you strike me as someone who has a lot of love, who is genuine around, um, being a practitioner and a master in this area. And yet you're human like everybody else. And it's, it's the significance of your daily practice that helps you show up like this and, that, that's why I wanted to ask, have you always been that way? Uh, no, and your daily practice enables you to live that best self more more consistently. Yeah, thank you for that. It helped unpeel the layer of the onion to realize to get to really what was most important for me. And for me, I for the, and that's why I have now, in this last six months, termed myself as a spiritual business activist. Because for me, the unpeeling of the onion was... What is the most important, like at the end of the day, when I'm on my deathbed or when I am um, being um, grateful uh, towards the end of my life or today in my life, what is it that's most important to me that I think has substance and has longevity and is here for eternity and really what is what humanity and spirituality for the sense of women have been? And people want love, people want acceptance, people want to have contribution, people want to feel like they made a difference in the world. All that stuff is significant. But at the end of all of that, if you go down to the root of that, that really is higher energy consciousness. It's higher energy of trying to be our highest and best selves. And I think we all define that in different ways. And of course, our careers and our businesses help define that. And it puts labels on us about success, dollar signs, statuses, books, movies, titles, companies, whatever, those things help define what they are, that we can have a measuring stick for what we believe success is. But even when you talk to very successful people that I have had the pleasure of doing, sometimes they are just not fulfilled even by their success at the, at the core level that they thought it was going to be. They thought it would be more. They thought it would feel different. They thought it would be more sustainable. And because to me, underneath all of that is this belief of this spiritual connection we're looking for. And so that is where I now have this daily practice and this quest that I want to be as best as I can in my business and as best as I can in my relationships. And I want to be as best as I can in my health and fitness. Uh, and I want to be as best as I can in my relationship with my higher power. And if I can do all of those things by having the higher power always be the deciding decision in what I do, then it's my measuring stick. So that's where my true north comes in as I'm measuring where I'm going to spend my time, who I'm going to speak with, what I'm going to do, where I'm going to focus my, my travel, where I'm going to focus my more I live. If I'm measuring it against that, then I'm never on the wrong path. How would somebody identify the hole in their soul? It's that place that you know feels empty and you know that it doesn't it doesn't define you and it's not necessarily you, 
but it's that thing that's where you find and go and have sadness when you are sad. It's that place where you feel shame. It's that place where you feel not whole enough. It's that place where um, you feel like maybe you're a fraud. It's that place where you feel like maybe someone's going to find something out. And we don't always have it completely defined, but it's that place that just feels um, the darkest place of your inner being where when you're into self-doubt is where your loathing is. And, and that is defined, usually it's usually where shame or blame comes into place. Uh, and shame or blame is something that sometimes goes back to childhood. Sometimes it goes back to societal. Sometimes it comes into, again, not feeling good enough. So that, that hole in the soul is thinking, God, I just don't feel as happy and as joyful as I thought I should be in life. And I look around me and I look at people's Facebook page and Instagram page and I watch what my neighbors are doing and they all look so happy. Why can't I feel that way more? Or why don't I have what they have? So it's, it's longing for something that you don't think you have when you realize that you have what inside of you, what you need, but that we all, when you identify and can understand that we all have that hole in the soul, it's part of our human condition, then you allow yourself permission to then fill that up something else than a unfulfilling relationship, than a higher title, than a, a new car, uh, a new dress, a new pair of shoes, um, a new vacation. Uh, it's that old thing that we have as Westerners, and I guess it's also part of the, the, the global continent, is I will be happy when, mm -hmm. fill in the blank. You know, and we have this thing, I'll be happy when I get a new car, I'll be happy when I finally make a million bucks. That hole in the soul is never, ever, ever gonna be fulfilled except in my opinion, by having some kind of higher connection with a higher power and a higher purpose that helps fill that connection to the whole in the soul. And that doesn't have to be God and it doesn't have to be religion and it doesn't have to be so defined. It, it's just something that's energy higher than yourself. It can be mother nature. It can be uh, you know, universal consciousness. And it can be something defined as clearly as religion if you choose to be in a very defined, distinct religion. But it's definitely something that is not of yourself that you are dedicating your time and energy to that's for higher purpose that usually is for good in some way. It's being of service in some way. Thank you, Steve. Awesome. Really, really thought provoking and um, accessible in the way that you articulate it and you describe it. And even, you know, there's um, maybe a, a lower proportion of people in the UK that identify with religion. Um, uh, but, what there is is a significant proportion of people that identify with spirituality and the place of the universe and spirituality in the world of business so hopefully this conversation has given listeners um in the uk and internationally some tips around the things that you could work on in a daily basis around body being uh, bonds and business in order so that you can consistently show up as the best version of yourself steve Thank you very much. If anybody wants to find out more about your work, both in your consultancy, but also about your book, how can they do that? Thank you for that, Gavin. And thanks for having the show. And thanks for the conversation. Some really wonderful questions. So thank you. Um, and the best way is uh, just at my website, uh, steverogers.net. And you can remember Steve Rogers because it's also Captain America's name of the Marvel series. Uh, but it's, and Rogers does have a D in my name. So it's Steve, R-O-D-G-E-R-S. Dot net steve rogers.net everything's there you could uh, access me there that's thank you steve thank you so much for your time today thank you gavin very much appreciated you've been listening to the business mastermind podcast be sure to subscribe rate and review so that more people like you can get their business back on their own terms 
Enjoy more success and create more impact.